Black Rifle Coffee Company is a company that's very easy for me to promote because I drink coffee all day, every day. But more importantly, they are a huge supporter of the veteran community and are a veteran-owned business, so they have my full support. Use code KEEPHAMMERING for 20% off your first order and 20% off subscription to The Coffee Club, where you get exclusive coffee blends and merchandise. Mountain Ops offers the best supplements on the market and functional gear for athletes and hunters. Their Battleground Merino garments are some of the best I have found. I've chosen to support a company that supports the community. A portion of every sale on Mountain Ops website, www.mountainops.com, goes to help feed a family in need. Use my code KEEPHAMMERING for 20% off your first purchase and also receive free shipping. Every step I take, I move my truth. Every time they tell me stop, I use. Every comment, hate that makes my feel. Gather up my energy and boom. I hear them talking, saying the way that I move is so reckless. That is a part of my mind I've been blessed with. Giving my blood so I am relentless. Welcome to the Keep Hammering Collective. I'm here with Chad Money Mendez. Do you still go by his Chad Money or is it, is <laughs> um, that? Yeah, I mean, that's. That's up to everybody that, that basically calls me by my nickname. I don't know. Do you want to hear the funny story about how that came about yeah. real quick before right. we get started on this? Sure. So uh, it actually used to be Money Shot Mendez. Okay. And, uh, if you know what that means in the in the porn world, that's yeah. kind of something a little bit vulgar. But uh, <laughs> so I graduated. What does that mean in the porn world? I don't know. I'm, I'm not familiar with that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave that to the imagination. Oh, well, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, maybe Google it if, if you don't know. Oh, but, okay, great. I'll yeah. do that. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, so I, I graduated through all my stuff in U-Haul the very next day, moved up to Sacramento from, I moved from Cal Poly, San Luis Obispo, jumped right into pro practice and started training with these guys. I had no idea what I was doing punching wise. I have this big goofy headgear on big old 16 ounce gloves, shin guards, and these guys are just socking me up. So I just kept blast double legging everybody yeah. and getting them on their back. Cause it's the only thing I knew how to do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so after practice, Faber's like, man, he's like, your shot is money, dude. You were crushing everybody with that. And he goes, that's gotta be your nickname, Chad <laughs> Money Shot Mendez. So honestly, for my first five fights, that's what it was. And then I signed with Pepsi and I got in with Zufa, uh, and they're like, yeah, that's not going to fly. We're going to have to <laughs> change that. So ended up dropping the money, but just yeah, a quick tangent there for you. Well, it wasn't like Chad Glory Hole Mendez. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so I mean, that, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it could have been worse. But so money, so you, it, that's up to the fans whether they still call you money. Yeah, I still yeah. like it. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with it. I, I don't. I don't mind it. I enjoy mm-hmm. it. Well, I always I put up this, you know, knowing you coming on. So when I was making coffee out there, I put up the little post that Hey, does anybody have any questions for Chad? Knowing we're doing this podcast, mm-hmm. and this is a there was a. This had me thinking. It says the top three MMA goats and why Khabib is not in it. But aside from that, I was thinking you have fought like some of the legends in ever in MMA. I mean, Aldo, Connor, I mean, Volk. Yeah. You've been in there with freaking beasts. Yeah. Frankie. Yeah. I mean, can you believe your career has went from you just said you started you didn't know anything came in as a wrestler and now you've you know had just this incredible career and you're still not done (laughs) and you look better than you've ever looked you're training hard i mean we just ran the mountain um what has it been like 
you know, looking back, just this long career, yeah. how do you see it yourself when you look back? Man, honestly, I feel like it's a little bit depressing to me, but it feels like it's gone so fast. Like mm -hmm. I was just saying this the other day, like where did 10, where did 15 years go? Like, you know, I remember my senior year in college, like talking with Uriah and him being like, dude, you should come and try this MMA thing after if you want. Just come. I got an extra spare bedroom. You can crash at my place till you make some money, figure out if you like it or not, and and go from there. So, man, that just feels like yesterday. And it feels like almost two separate worlds of mine. Like, you know, the old college days, wrestling, grinding, you know, going straight from graduating into living into Faber's, you know, spare bedroom and fighting for two grand, you know, which, you know, even at that point, compared to what it was when Faber first started, I think he made like three or 400 bucks wow. his first fight or something crazy like that. Mm -hmm. um, but it's just crazy to see the gap and like think back about, you know, how how much time and energy and effort that I've put in from five years old from wrestling, then all the way up through college, and then taking that next chapter of life into the MMA world, into now what we're doing, uh, the bare knuckle stuff. And, yeah you know, spreading into the fins and feathers and all these other businesses. It's been a crazy ride, man. It's, uh, I feel blessed. I, I feel like I've been able to do pretty much everything I've loved to do up until this point in my life. I had a couple like crappy jobs here and there. Mm -hmm. Worked at a sandwich shop over the summer a couple of times, you know, yeah. worked on a farm, driving tractors and stuff like that, which mm -hmm. I didn't mind that one too much. But, um, you know, be, being able to basically pursue a passion throughout my entire life. I feel really blessed to have been able to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, I know a lot of buddies that have jobs that they've been there for 15, 20 years and they absolutely hate it. So, yeah. uh, you know, looking back on it, I feel, I feel blessed, man. I have a beautiful family, I have a beautiful wife, mm -hmm. you know, who's super supportive of this crazy career, I guess you can say. Yeah. Uh, and she's got my back. So now I feel, I feel good about it. It's been a crazy ride for sure. Man. I mean, I just know some of the you know, without knowing you, without, you know, being friends until, you know, maybe the last few years, I've watched you for years. Mm -hmm. I've watched you compete out there and put on shows. And, um, you did say something that kind of caught my attention. You said it's a little depressing in some way. Yeah. How, how, Sorry, how so? I guess I, sh I went off on that, but, uh, -huh. uh you know, it's, I think it's just a little bit depressing knowing how fast life goes. Like, mm. you know, I've, I've enjoyed so much of it and mm -hmm. it's like, they, they say time flies when you're having fun. Yeah. And it is so true, man. It's, I feel like the last 10 years, especially has just flown by mm -hmm. and it's like, I want to pump the brakes. I'm, I'm loving my life. I'm enjoying everything I'm doing. I want to continue doing this, but you know, you just got to live it to the fullest. But yeah, you think back on the last 15, 20 years and it's, it's crazy. It really does go so fast. Yeah. Yeah. So is it, uh, you would, do you wish you would have like, um, absorbed more, more of the moments or enjoyed it more of where you did your head down grinding or. Yeah. I mean, thinking back through like, especially high school, I have so many people in my life that were like, man, I miss those high school days. And it's yeah. like, I hated high school. Mm -hmm. Like all I did was get up. I would, you know, run before school, you know, ride my skateboard to school, go to school all day, basically go straight to wrestling practice for, it would usually be like three hours in the afternoon into the evening, come home, eat, do my homework, go for another run and then go to bed and do it all over again. Like that was my high school, you know? And I'm like, God, I just, I do wish there was some times 
that I would have like stopped and enjoyed a little bit more of those, mm. um, I guess, normal life moments. Right. But I also, looking back on that, I wouldn't be where I am right now mm-hmm. if I didn't do that. You know, I have a lot of people that I went to high school with that are, you know, struggling in life. And, right. you know, they didn't grind back then. They were partying and drinking and doing drugs and doing all that type of stuff. So, yeah, it's it's kind of a little bit of both worlds. I feel like, you know, I do miss uh, probably having those experiences, I'm guessing. But uh, again, I owe a lot of what I have now to not doing that. So right. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I understand. Well, I'm, I'm curious. So what drove you back then? Probably my pops, my dad. Yeah. yeah. My dad got me into wrestling when I was five. He coached me all the way up till high school. And then I jumped into the high school program. But uh, yeah, my dad was always, uh, my dad owned his own business since he was like right out of high school and mm-hmm. always very motivated, um, business driven, just, you know, very hard worker <clears throat> and seeing somebody like that, uh, you know, having someone like that as a role model, I think was definitely, it definitely played a big part, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, I remember as a kid growing up, there was a few times uh, me and my brothers wanted to try different sports like baseball. And my dad was always like, baseball's for pussies. You're going to wrestle, <laughs> you know? And, uh, you know, I, there, I think I would have enjoyed playing a few other sports maybe, but yeah. yeah, wrestling was life in our family. So, um, yeah, I mean, as a parent, you kind of, you kind of look at your kids' skill sets mm-hmm. and you know, yeah, kids want to do all sorts of different things, but you're like, well, where are they going to be successful? Yeah. And I remember with my kids too, I had to make decisions like, Trude, I thought he was a good runner, so I pushed him with running. He ended up hating running. He's like, I'm never running again after high. So whatever. And then Tanner, I thought, well, he's good at basketball. That was a tough one because everybody plays basketball. Yeah. It's really hard. You know, mm-hmm. he was good, but the whole world plays basketball. Yeah. So I understand with your dad, like saying he probably could tell, hey, no, you're, yeah. you know, you're I, built for this. I was 80 pounds my freshman year in high school. I was just 80. tiny. Yeah. yeah. So little. So, I mean when I was asking to play baseball, that was probably even like four or five years before that. So he just, I think he knew, he saw that wrestling was something I was good at and he's, you yeah. know, I think he made the right choice there, but set you up for success. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. No, I understand. I mean, it, you, it sounds like you were very dedicated. What w- did you have success in high school then? Yeah, I was a, th- a three time state placer, mm-hmm. um, never one state, but, um, placed three times out of my first year I was actually so small I was fr- uh, JV mm. I didn't even get to compete on varsity but the the three years I was varsity I placed at state okay three, so and then uh, I think I got third at senior national so oh that's yeah good. did pretty pretty well and then got recruited wrestled at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo um, and I was a two-time All-American there my senior year undefeated the whole season and the only loss came in the finals no way yeah yeah I was who was that against Jay Jaggers from Ohio State, which ended up being uh, one of my teammates on the in the fight world's roommate at that time, oh. yeah, Lance Palmer. So, um, but yeah, man, kind of a crappy call from the ref. Um, those videos are on YouTube. Like, mm-hmm. I haven't watched them in years because going back to what we were talking about, those, yeah. those things you just want to like black yeah. them out. But uh, yeah, man, it was a it was a great year. Coming up second, looking back on it, almost um, maybe it was just God's way of of pushing me into the next chapter of my life because Mm -hmm. who knows, maybe I wouldn't have wanted to try MMA at that point. Uh, if I would have just been undefeated 
finished out the career national champ and just been like, all right, I'm done with my athletic career. Let's go get a job. It lit a fire, man. I was like, God, I'm, yeah. I was so close, man. Right. I, I'm, I'm still hungry for victory. Like I need, I need to like keep proving to myself like what I can do. So what happened in that match? Uh, well, it was a very close match. I think it was a second round, uh, last 15 seconds. I blast double legged him, sat him to his butt, hooked both legs with my, it should have been two mm-hmm. takedown. The ref just sat there, no points, mm. time ran out. And so that third round, I tried to really pick it up to yeah. to win the match, you know, and ended up getting caught in some of his funk. He was a funky wrestler, mm-hmm. didn't really have a strong offense. Uh, most of his scoring came from defense and being funky and capitalizing. So I think if I would have got that two points, I would have yeah. had to pick the pace right. up that third round. Different and strategy. I could have, you know, stayed a little bit more solid and, control not take chances yeah you know it's one of those things but yeah the ref actually came up and apologized to my dad after for Mm. making a bad call and yeah it was not good my dad was not too happy about that but well he's as invested as you were yeah oh yeah you know been with you that since you were five and yep that that was the moment you know man it's part of life you know yeah nothing's Nothing's ever going to be handed to you, and sometimes it's cruel. So sometimes it, it's not fair. It's true. Yeah. yeah. You know, I've I didn't wrestle, but I've been a fight fan forever. But me and Rogan actually send wrestling videos back and forth because these guys are. I mean, there's this one move I was telling Joe about. We we're back at the you know the Jones fight last week, and this a wrestler drops down and like his say his left leg goes straight out. Like, and then this leg bends back, but he does it so fast and he bends over, gets the, it like it's an offensive move, gets his opponent somehow, but he's dropping that leg down, like it get flat against the ground. Your hamstring, my hamstring would snap, (laughs) but it goes so quick and he pops down, gets this guy. And then there's another one where uh, Joe sent me where he had this kid in a pretzel yeah. i mean so just twisted uh-huh. up i was like i couldn't even imagine yeah how that would even feel or how the even being offensive and put somebody in that position it's like yeah yeah some of those wrestling moves i mean it's come a long way obviously but yeah yeah there's some pretty gnarly stuff that that uh funky uh defense mm-hmm. man there's some crazy like pretzel type moves that guys can get into especially those long lanky guys yeah uh, yeah, there, there's, and that's what Jay Jaggers was. He was a real long type of guy mm. that liked to wrap you up and do all that funky stuff. So, yeah. Joe is also talking about, do you remember an old, I think it was a Russian wrestler that he said was like 300 pounds and ripped and he showed me a picture mm-hmm. of him. Do you remember this guy? Yeah, I'm drawing a blank on his name. I know who I know who you're talking about, though. Yes, he had a picture in his studio of this guy, and he's this guy's just so yep. intense, but just shredded. Mm-hmm. And he said, like, he goes, if in the UFC, he it, that was before the UFC started, mm-hmm. but he said he would have been terrorizing. I'm pretty sure that's the Russian that Rulon Baumgarter Baumgartner. I think beat okay in the Olympics. I'm pretty sure. Think so. I think that's the one. Don't quote me on that, but. Yeah, I remember yeah. this dude was just jacked, yes. big, just burly, manly man. Yeah. Yeah, and he showed me the picture of the guy, and it's just like that big and that strong. Mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine. Yeah. But, I mean, it's, uh, you know, you transition into the fight game then, and then you you found your home there um, as, your, as your career goes. So, like, in regard to that question, the top three MMA guys, who would you put the top three? Just curious. Oh, man. I mean... That's a tough question, but 
obviously uh, Jones. I mean, that guy's a freak of nature, man. I mean, I don't know. Obviously, body composition plays a huge part of that. Mm-hmm. His mental state, just the confidence that he always have has. Um, definitely Jones is up there. I think Volkanovski's up there too. I mean, you know, obviously he's kind of a newer fighter, um, but I mean, the guy's just beating everybody they put in front of him uh, at featherweight. So even um, Islam, I mean, there's yeah, people who say he beat him, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I've never seen one thing like people talked about Islam was like a new Khabib. Mm-hmm. I never saw Khabib on his back getting, no, I mean, nope. Volkanovski was kind of beating him up. Yeah. And even and when Islam 45 or two. Yeah, even Islam had hit Volk's back, and he wasn't even worried about it. Mm-hmm. That would never happen against Khabib. No, Khabib, not at all. If he's on your back, it's not good. Yeah, and I think Khabib's up there for sure, too. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say. What do you think? Has he fought the level of competition to be considered, like, one of the best ever? Because that's what some people might say. Yeah, I mean, maybe not quite all the best top competition, but, I mean, just... Do I have any doubt that he wouldn't have beat them? Absolutely not. Like I think he would have probably still crushed. He's he's one of those types of fighters that were extremely strong, like had the will to go from bell to bell and never slow down or stop. And I mean his top game, that that ability to just get someone down and grind them is like probably one of the most vicious uh, styles of fighting in my opinion. Like mm-hmm. you know you could be the best striker in the world. Look what he did with Connor. Like, you get him to the ground, it's a different different yeah. game, you know? And so I think his ability to do that and dictate where that fight went, I mean, it's. I think it would have been tough for anybody to beat him. So, yeah, I still think so. You know what's, you know, he finished 29-0. and 0. I don't ever remember seeing him bleed. Mm-mm. I don't know if he ever did. I yeah. mean, I saw him take very few, like, big punches, but... I don't know if anything ever hurt him. I never remember seeing. Yeah. How, how do you fight twenty nine times? That's pretty impressive. And never bleed. Yeah, that's pretty damn impressive. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's always fun to you know as fans mm-hmm. uh, to talk about. But is you know you've actually fought these guys, mm-hmm. and it's just I mean almost the who's who in your weight of one forty five, one fifty five, and now you're going to fight at one sixty five, but almost a who's who of the MMA world, you've stood across the octagon yeah, from. Yeah, that must that must be incredible. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's it's been a, a long career, but yeah, looking back on all that, and you know, it's it's something that in my mind is pretty cool to be able to share with my kids once they get old enough, and like hopefully they're kind of into it and mm-hmm. something that interests them a little bit. But um, even outside of that, they are for sure into the hunting world, so that that makes me super happy. But. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it, it was a crazy career for sure. We're not done yet. We still got a big <laughs> fight coming up, uh, and another legend that I'm stepping in there with Eddie yeah. Alvarez. So, uh, that's another one that, uh, is going to be a, a cool one to add to the resume. What, what are you, what are you thinking about that fight? Man, How are you I'm, feeling? I feel great about it. I mean, they mentioned it. I honestly was pretty much done. I mean, I did that last one. Um, you know, I felt great, you know, went in there and got the fight, finished in the fourth with a TKO and, um, you know, was, was good. And mm-hmm. then they came, came back like, Hey, let's uh, renegotiate. And we got a big name, uh, that we're, that we're throwing around Eddie Alvarez. And I'm like, send me the damn contract. Like that's, that's a fight. You like uh, that match? I like it a lot. And it's a, it's a fighter that I've watched for a long time. Mm-hmm. I enjoy his style. Um, I feel like I match up great with him. Um, yeah. And, 
you know, it, for me, whether this is going to be a retirement fight or not, if it is, man, that's the one, mm-hmm. that's a cool one to go out on for sure. It's a cool one to get a win against, to get uh, that name under the belt and just get in there and share the ring with them. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I mean, an- another former UFC champion, mm-hmm. you fought a lot of them, mm-hmm. you know, it would be, I mean, I like, I like matchup for you. You, like I said, you seem like mentally, physically as like top of your game. I, I think it's going to be a great fight for you. I'm, yeah, I'm so it. pumped for it. Yeah. Like yeah a, we've been going hard, man. I'm, uh, doing all the right things in the gym with my boxing coach and my strength and conditioning coach, you know, diet's been on point for the last two years now doing the meat based. And man, this is the, probably the best I've ever felt. So yeah, I'm excited, man. I'm excited to get in there and at least do it one more time. Might be more, but we're, yeah, <laughs> at least well, get in there and share. share and a good payday. Yes. You know, I know that's the, the pay with the UFC is always, seems like it's always coming up mm-hmm. or like it's, it's, because the UFC is such a giant organization yeah. and he, he, I do feel for, I mean, I get it. It's a business, yeah. you know, um, you know, there is a huge sacrifice to those fighters, maybe lower on the, on the card. You know, it's, if you're not winning, you're getting half that purse and sometimes a purse isn't a ton mm-hmm. and you're paying coaches and you're paying for gym time. And it's like, you got to really want to do it. Yeah. It's yeah. not, you, nobody's doing it to get rich, no. you know, starting yeah. off. It's yeah. just that competition. Um, but so anyway, that's just the way business business works, but I'm super pumped. You got a big payday coming for this yeah. one and you're seemed like you're very dedicated and prepared. I think it's going to be, be good. It's yeah, like you, you've it. earned it too. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. It's, it feels good to finally be at this point in my career making this type of money. I honestly didn't know if it was going to happen in my timeline of mm-hmm. being able to fight, but you know, obviously I would have liked maybe halfway through my career to start getting this pay and yeah. continue to go. But hey, that's part of, that's part of it. It's just... Maybe you, know, you are halfway. Maybe. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be 38 this year. But I don't know. Don't tell we'll your see. wife. I know. She's <laughs> not going to like that if we do more. But she so get in there, no damage, big payday. It's yeah. going to be a little easier to sell the next one. 100%. Yeah. That's the plan anyways. We'll see. What's uh, What's been your most rewarding win so far? Oh, man. I'd say probably my favorite fight was the Ricardo Lamas fight coming, yeah. coming in there and knocking him out in the first. And I think I had more friends and family at that fight. Uh, Where was it? Oh man, that was in Virginia, I think. Um, yeah, we had just had a big group of friends out there, mm. family members. Uh-huh. And that was a good one. I'd say it might be a toss up between that one and uh, Miles Jury. That was a really good one too. Mm-hmm. Coming back, had a tons of tons of friends and family. He there. was tough for a while yeah, there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Went in there and got the knockout quick, which is always nice, man. You go through <laughs> these like grueling, long training camps, and mm-hmm. you know, obviously, you're always hoping for something like that to happen. You put in the work, the effort, and you obviously plan for that to happen, but it doesn't always happen that way. Mm-hmm. So when you go out there and you can get a knockout in thirty seconds or a minute or whatever into the first, you're like, no damage taken. It's in and out. You feel great. You know, you have a ton of fans and friend, uh, friends and family members there to to just kind of be a part of that whole experience. Yeah. God, it means so much. It's so cool. That right there is what keeps fighters going, you yes. know. That's exactly what it is. But, um, yeah, I'd say probably those two, if I had to lean on one more, maybe even actually the mile jury now that I think about it. Hmm. think that one's a little even yeah, better? Yeah, I think so. I think maybe, yeah, I'd say that one. 
What's uh, what's the one that keeps you up at night? <laughs> of course, the Connor fight. Yeah. Really? Yeah, man, it was a brutal. You know, getting that call on ten days notice. Mm -hmm. mm, you know, cutting twenty five pounds in a short amount of time, and just you know, not being as prepared as I could have been to fight a guy like that. Like mm -hmm. I know, I know, I could have beat that guy if mm -hmm. I was prepared. But because you were coming off a war with Aldo. Aldo, yeah, my body was beat up. You know, I was telling you, I was peeing blood that night when yeah. I got back to the hotel after the Aldo fight. And right. Just the most pain from head to toe that my body's ever been in. Like, that's really the only war I've ever mm -hmm. experienced in my career. And it was it was brutal, man. Um, so, yeah, I mean, wasn't really training a whole t a whole lot for, you know, a few months after that, just letting my body heal, trying to do things here and there as I could. But, um, you know, and then basically getting a call in last last second doesn't help anything and you can't um, turn it down no I mean, I mean how do you turn down that fight it's a title fight you know they big it, at that point was the biggest payday that i had ever had in my career and it's like God, all right let's do this like mm -hmm. who knows i maybe i go out there and catch him in 30 yeah, seconds with the right hand happen. put him to sleep you know you got the power yeah so well even even like in that first round i mean you were taking him down yeah and you were delivering damage because yeah. your top game is great um so and to me that so fresh that's you fresh yes but you know if you haven't been in camp mm -hmm. you can't stay yeah at your best for you know too long yeah and then yeah. you get fatigued which is that's how this mm -hmm. body works yeah and he had been in a full camp preparing for aldo already yeah yep. yeah yeah no it was that was a tough one i think there's any fight that haunts me i'd say that one and the frankie edgar fight are probably the two toughest for me to swallow um, why the Frankie Edgar? Cause it was just one of those fights I got caught, you know, quick into the fight. Like we were talking about, it's like you put all this effort and energy and time and dedication and love and passion into this fight camp mm -hmm. game planning. And, you know, you pour your heart and soul into it and then you go out there and something like that, where first round you get clipped with something and you just basically go out for a second, come to, and the fight's over and you're like, oh, man, yeah, like what the fuck happened? You know? <laughs> I don't think, you know, as a fan, it's just like fans are just on to the next, okay, yeah. who next fight, what yeah. is it? And they're not thinking about what, as a fighter, what that must feel mm -hmm. like after, after that year, years of work to get there mm -hmm. and then have something crazy happen. It's just yeah, such a, a brutal game. It is, man. That's one of the, the lowest lows of the sport right there. And mm -hmm. it's, you know, if I went out there like I did against Aldo and I fought my heart, like that was the best me and Aldo just won, you know? Yeah it hurts physically more like a war like that, but mentally it doesn't hurt as bad. Like I know that I gave everything I, I had, I trained as hard as I could. And that was just me You're going out there best. and he was just a better man that night. Mm -hmm. But you, you do that same thing and go out there and just get clipped by something because you made one stupid mistake or they just got lucky or whatever mm -hmm. it may be. And you just wake up and you're like, God, like all that, I did all that for nothing. You know, and not only that, now I only get half of the pay that I yeah. was hoping to get, you know, so uh, it's just it's a brutal, brutal game in that sense, for sure. But How, what do you think about that win bonus? Do you think to, uh, do you I think, think they should just give a, a flat amount? 100 percent. Because it's not like you're trying any less. Yeah, 100 percent. It should be across the board. Mm -hmm. And that's what's great about bare knuckle. It's a flat, flat fee. Like um, no matter what, we're making this money. You know, obviously, I'm going to try my hardest. See exactly like you said. Like, I'm not going to, oh, I'm getting this 
payday either way. I'm just going to half-ass it and go out there and get mm-hmm. knocked out. Like, I don't ever want to get knocked out. I don't want to lose. Like, right. I am, like, extremely competitive. I want to be the best in the world. Like, you're just basically rubbing salt in the wound at this point. Like, yeah. not only did you just lose, but we're going to take half of your money yes. from you. It's like, <laughs> Yeah, that, so, I've always had, I've had a hard time with that because I know, you know, some of those, like I said, those on the lower on the card, which I get it, but, mm-hmm. you know, if you're getting 18 and 18, like 18,000 and getting knocked out, it's like, well, God, that's know, rough. My first UFC title fight, I fought Aldo in Brazil. Mm-hmm. I ended up coming home with $8,000 like after losing that fight, Man. after everything. Like, because, you know, you're fighting Brazil. They, I think they taxed me like 35 or 40% with something crazy mm-hmm. from Brazil. Um, you know, you only get half of it. And then, you know, after all the extra flights and everything, that yeah, was like eight grand. Wow. Thank God. They ended up giving me a little bit of a bonus. But, mm-hmm. I mean, it still wasn't a ton, but it at least made it feel a little bit better. God, man, that yeah, that's one of those ones where it's like, what the hell am I doing? I bet just got KO'd by Aldo for a UFC title fight for eight grand. It's like, <laughs> yeah, make you question everything for sure. But, yeah, I understand that. Well, I guess all that was all part of building this road to get this big payday with bare knuckle. Yep. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, you built a name, so you are you know, you add to this organization mm-hmm. and you're being rewarded for it. So it's, uh, and that's where it gets tough to like, you know, is this the last one? Because you've made mm-hmm. all these sacrifices for mm-hmm. 8,000 and now they're offering, you know, your biggest efforts. Like, whew. I know, I know tough. it is. And that's kind of where we're at. Like, I don't necessarily need this money. I have other businesses that mm-hmm. are doing well. Like this is more of a, it's kind of a passion thing because of the opponent. Like yeah. it's exciting to me, no, you Eddie's, know, it's yeah, motivating because one. it's Eddie. But then also they throw this big number and it's like, man, I've never seen that payday through all the BS that I've gone through for the last 10, 12 years. Yeah. So you're right. It's, it definitely is a big motivating factor, but, um, is it something I absolutely need? No, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think that was kind of the hardest thing with me and my wife sitting down and had, having to like figure this out. Like, yeah. Is this something I'm really going to do? You know, I got two daughters now. I got to be smart. I got to be careful. He's mm-hmm. got a family. He's got young kids. Like, you know, so, yeah, I mean, I think we're all of us are always playing with fire, but yeah. you can't look at it like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're all playing with fire every time we get in a damn car, yeah. every time we get on an airplane, every time we whatever, you know, yeah, it could happen to us at any time. But yeah, man, just uh, <laughs> I'm going to get out there and give her hell. I, I know what I can do in the gym. I know what all the preparation looks like. I know what it takes to get out there and be successful. That's what I can control. I'm going to get in there and, and just what happens, what happens is what, what happens. <laughs> what's his, is he have a big right? What is his thing? He's kind of more of an output guy. Yeah, he's got a output, right. Okay. Yeah, he'll he'll kind of lead in with a left hook. Mm. Um, he's a very like, um, I'd I'd say more of a standard boxing style. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, you just got to keep your hands up and hands up. Yeah, hands up. I got to stay compact, quick, powerful. Get in there and do what I do. Yeah. I know if I land one big one, it's gonna yeah. be a game changer. It just, oh. just takes doing it. So. I'm always putting constant stress on my body, which is why I decided to try mud water, and it has been a game changer in regard to mental focus. The blend of adaptogenic mushrooms, cordyceps, and lion's mane all support focus, physical performance, and are great for the immune system. 
Now, these aren't the hallucinogenic type of mushrooms, but I do like that Mud Water gives back to the Berkeley Center for the Science of Using Psychedelics to help treat individuals with mental health disorders. Go to mudwater.com, that's M-U-D-W-T-R, use code CAM for 15% off your first order. Hoyt Archery has been my bow hunting sponsor since 2005. And personally, I really don't care what bow you shoot, what brand it is. I just hope that you have the same level of confidence in your equipment as I have in mine. Because I know if I get one opportunity with my Hoyt, it's going to pay off. We were talking too, we've done this lift run shoot here the last couple of days. It's been great too. It's been, I mean, you're in such great shape and a good, oh, that was one of the questions somebody asked, who's a better shot, Chad or Cam? Oh, geez. <laughs> you, uh, I, I wouldn't want to, what does it say? It says, um, is he a better shot than Cam? Well, I'll just say Ethan Dickens, Dick, Dixon. Chad was shooting as well as I've seen anybody shoot at the bow rack. Wayne, <laughs> the herd bull had his bow dialed in and, yeah. and was coaching Chad, and he was like laying him in there. Then we got out to the... He smoked me. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. To the balloon shoot, and he set the record. So, yeah, I wouldn't want to shoot head-to-head against Chad. Oh, no. We we did one arrow, and I, I'm, we got to show that in there, but we had one shot... I went right above the balloon, and he and Cam smoked it with one. So, I got lucky in that one. <laughs> um, did preparing to fight and calming your brain help you execute a shot while hunting? So, does yeah, does that your mentality transfer over? Do you think? Yeah, I think so, a hundred percent. Yeah, I think there's a lot of similarities, a lot of things that translate from both fighting and training to hunting, and then also hunting to fighting. You know, when you're getting in that, like the, the red zone, you know, when you're inside 40, 50 yards Mm -hmm. on an animal and you're getting closer and closer and every little thing matters, every movement, you know, obviously any sound, um, that heart's racing out of your chest and you're getting ready to take that shot. Like being able to not only focus on everything that you're doing, um, but calming yourself Mm -hmm. and being able to stay as clear headed as you possibly can and executing that shot. I mean, there's through my bow hunting career, I don't, I'm sure you probably have too, but I have messed up in that zone probably thousands of times Mm -hmm. throughout my life. And it's like, you know, you, you have learning how to basically execute. It's like you do everything perfect. You get in that zone, you shoot and miss. And it's like, God, I did everything right. Mm -hmm. But except for the execution. So um, being able to do that in a fight where you you have your opponent next to you or in front of you, you just went through an entire training camp, you've studied the game plan, you've put that together, you know what you're supposed to do, and now you're in that red zone, that person's standing in front of you. Can you stay calm and collected enough to execute what you've just basically developed in the gym? Right. It's the same thing as mm-hmm. when you're sneaking in on a big bull, you know, and you're 30 yards from them and they don't know you're there. I got to sink the shot in, you know. Yeah. So I think the two translate well and like being able to basically calm your nerves, you know, stay collected, execute on both sides. They bounce off each other for sure. That You talking about that reminds me of you say, so today we're doing recording this day. Uh, Kamaro's fighting Leon Edwards mm-hmm. and to Today, it, or it reminded me you saying that of Kamaru last fight stalked in. He was maybe 10 yards away. Mm-hmm. Leon is the bull. He doesn't even know Kamaru's there. 
All he has to do is just make this shot. Kamara was right there for a slam dunk red zone. Mm-hmm. He, had, he had done everything right and lost focus for a second, took a shin to the side of the head. Yep. No, not a champion anymore. No, everything over. Mm -hmm. So it's just like shitting the bed on having that. You did everything right to get into that 20 yards on a big bowl Mm -hmm. and then you screw it up. Yeah. So I, I, I get that made sense about, you know, finishing it off too. Mm -hmm. You can, you can do it all right. You can be prepared. You still have to implement the game plan. Yep, exactly. And so I I think those two bounce off each other and one helps me on both sides, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And I didn't really notice that until probably... I don't know, maybe five years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, and and once I think I figured that out, it helped me so much more, I think, on the hunting side of it when you do get in that red zone um, and just trying to keep everything calm and collected because a lot of the times I'll get there and it's just like blackout, everything gone. And that's how I used to be in my fight career. Like I'd step in there and almost would black out. It would just be like all na- just reaction. Right. And then you'd get out and I don't remember a lot of the stuff. Like my first probably eight fights, mm-hmm. eight to 10 fights were like that. And that's how I would be getting in that red zone on animals. Like I, I just, every, I'd get so worked right. up that I would almost like black out and, and not think about what I'm doing and would screw it up. And so yeah, I think once I figured that out and I basically told myself when you're there, like how to calm down and stay collected, it helped a ton. I think, you know, I, I think I was like that too. You to have so much adrenaline where you'd shoot before I had multiple pins on my site. Now I have an adjustable, but I wouldn't even know what pin I used. Did I use the right pin? Yeah. Did I pick a spot? What, where was the animal even standing? Where did my arrow mm-hmm. go? Because it was all gone. Yeah. And I, you know, like you said, that blackout. And uh, I do see fighters. You see fighters who stay composed and collected all the time. Some of them get in there and it's like, seems like more no strategy, just kind of a brawl. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm always you can tell the ones who stick to the game plan Mm -hmm. and it's like, it must be hard though. Cause so much adrenaline it is, and And you're making decisions on a, on mm -hmm. a, you know, who I think is extremely good at that. And the reason why he's the champ and has just been as good as he has been is John Jones. I feel like he's a thinker in there, but stays pretty calm and collected. But you know, you can tell that he isn't one of those guys that just wants to get in there and brawl and just blacks out and goes like, He's thinking, being very tactical the whole time, mm-hmm. um, and look at his success. So I've never seen him in a, mm-hmm. like just letting loose crazy. Mm-hmm. Like I remember, you know, Max Holloway used to stand like point yeah. at the thing. Yeah. I, I can't remember who he was fighting, but Lamas, Lamas, yeah. yeah, and just wanted to just yeah. go for it. I've never seen John do something like uh, that. No, uh-uh. so that that reminds me is like he is always tactical, tactical, yeah, and then. To me, it seems like he's a little more mean than most people. I mean, some of his shots, you're just like, it looks like there's just a little extra, Mm -hmm. I don't know. He was, he was, God blessed him with the long, the long bony body, the long, strong bony body. Cause he's, I mean, he knows how to use his elbows, his knees, his kicks, you know, jabs, punches, keeping everybody at bay. But then what's great about John is if there is a fighter that somehow beats that range, mm-hmm. which is very rare. He just wrestles him. Like he's yeah. a damn good wrestler. Right. So how are you gonna beat John? The only way to beat John is if for whatever reason you get lucky and KO this dude. That's yeah. in my opinion the only way anyone beats and John. And it's never happened. Yeah. Because he's good at either closing the distance and taking you down or keeping you at bay. Yeah. 
the the one where I saw he was like I felt bad. I think it was when he won the belt against Shogun. Hmm. It was like Shogun was um, against the the cage and just getting yeah. you know that oblique kick to the knee. Mm-hmm. The tearing them apart. Yo, just like nonstop different strikes everywhere. Mm. And I was just like, oh my mm. God, I feel terrible for this yeah. guy. Yeah. It looked brutal. Yeah. That's not fun. <laughs> no. I mean, because you could tell he's beat up, tired, and John's just picking so him varied, you know, elbows coming in. It's like, mm-hmm. God. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, I, when you mentioned that, I've never seen him in, in mm-hmm. a war like mm-hmm. that. And uh, that's the one thing. So it reminds me an, another thing. So Chandler is fighting. Talk about war. Chandler's been in wars. Now he's fighting Connor. Mm-hmm. So what? How do you see that fight going? Man, I'm I'm really hoping that that Mike can use a lot of his wrestling. Mike's got great wrestling. Mm-hmm. He likes to stand and bang and get in there, and he likes to get in those wars. So, um, man, I know uh, the calf kicks have been you know, have worked really well against Connor lately. His well not lately, but his last couple and fights. Dustin. Yep, slowing him down a bit. I think Mike, if he implements that, that's gonna be huge. Implements his wrestling, that's gonna be huge. Um, you know, I think in and out movement, not sitting there in front of Connor and letting him pick him apart with strikes, I think he beats Connor. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to see what type of Connor we have. You know, he's been out for a long time. He's put on a bunch of weight. Um, I don't think he's been training like he should be training he might be doing stuff here and there but um yeah what is his cardio going to be like right mike mike goes mike's yeah. got great cardio mike will push mm-hmm. you know he'll be bleeding and taking punches but still coming forward going so right. um that could be bad for connor yeah no i i know it and you can say you know once you've made it it's way different than on your way up like when mm-hmm. connor was like when you fought connor it was like he was hungry, mm-hmm. still going up, wanted to be the double champ and all this. He had big goals. Now it's like, what's his goals? I don't know. You know, he's he's yeah. done it all. Yeah. It's really hard to capture that that magic again. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that, but that's why we watch. Yeah. You know, I mean, to see what version can come out. But, yeah, I mean, if he's not 100% into it, it could be a tough one for him. Because yeah. Chandler, yeah, he, he loves... Beast, yeah. He loves those, those d- dirty, nasty, mm-hmm. like bloody fights. It mm-hmm. seems like, so you know that the calf kick. I saw it. You know, Chandler was champion in Bellator. There's this guy, Brett Primus. He, that was the first time I had seen somebody doing calf kicks, and it was on Chandler. And his, I thought, yeah, everybody thought he broke his ankle because mm-hmm. his foot wasn't rolling. working. Yeah. And it was just, it was just weird. And I'd never seen it before, but that's how he lost. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, he keeps his leg out there too. Yeah. So it's kind of susceptible to Mm -hmm. it, but Connor and him both have that, I guess that lead leg out there. Yeah. Yeah, So it's going to, it'll be interesting to see how that plays Mm -hmm. out. I don't know. I'm, I'm excited to watch the uh, ultimate fighter with them two coaching. Mm -hmm. You know, I've heard that they've been kind of getting into it or they got into it and some crazy stuff happened. So I'm yeah. just excited. That's going to be entertaining for sure. Um, you know, we were talking earlier about, uh, 
your diet, you know, here we had, you know, we did lift run shoot, but then we had meat and, and fruit. So yeah. it's like, <laughs> I've never seen you so jacked. And that's just like <laughs> this disciplined diet. It seems like you've really found your groove on that. And that's just been recently. Yeah. I'd say about almost two years now. So <clears throat> I had plaque psoriasis all over my body, like really bad from as long as I can remember when I was a little kid and it just, as I grew older, kind of spread throughout my body, got worse and worse. And, uh, man, I went to two different dermatologists and both of them as straight up told me like diet has zero effect on this, mm. but both of them wanted to prescribe me a bunch of, you Medicine. know, yeah, steroid yeah. creams and, you know, we could give you a shot. It's, it's monthly. It's really hard on your liver, but it, it should help. And it's very expensive Yeah, of and course. it's like, no thanks, you know? So I always just kind of dealt with it. Um, tried different things here and there, but just nothing really took it away. Um, and just, man, there towards the end just started getting really bad. So, um, I saw Rogan, he had uh, vitiligo, I think is what it's called. And that's an autoimmune disease. He tried it. He said it helped. Um, I have a buddy whose wife had Crohn's disease. She tried it, basically took it away completely. Uh, and my buddy was doing it and he's like, you should try it and just see if it helps out. Yeah. And I always kind of shied away from it just because of my athletic career. I was like, man, I got to eat grains. I got to eat, you For know, fuel. oats. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's just what I thought. And uh, so I never did it and uh, just continued to get worse and worse and worse. But finally, uh, about two years ago, I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'll do it for a month. If, if it doesn't change, I'm just going to go back to eating my normal diet. Mm -hmm. But if it makes a difference, then, you know, I'll stick with it. Within like two weeks, it was so much better, hmm. like night and day different. It's Still like there, the carnivore diet, basically. <clears throat> kind of. At, at first, like for the first four month, months, I went like hardcore, just meat, eggs, uh, dairy and seafood. Mm -hmm. That was it. Mm. No carbs at all. No sugars, no nothing. And that was, that was tough. That was like a full elimination diet. Um, basically just to reset my gut and everything. Did you get <clears throat> lean too without yeah, those carbs? Yeah, uh -huh. I bet. Leaned yeah. out. Yeah. Um, put on more muscle, but, but lean fat out. It seemed like, um, but I was eating a ton of eggs, ton of red meat, you know, wild game beef, um, and did that for about four months and then started adding back in the fruits, um, you know, honey, some dairy, um, tried, tried to do more raw than anything, but even still do some regular dairy. Um, uh, and that's pretty much it. Cut out all seed oils, um, processed sugar and most vegetables like leafy green type stuff. And man, it like, it's gone now. Like my legs are completely cleared up. So I think for me, it's like, at this point, I'm almost too nervous to go back to eating yeah. normal because I don't want it to all come back. So I've just been continuing to do it, and I feel great. Yeah, you know, I feel like I've leaned out, I've put on more muscle, which you know that's honestly never been like a huge goal of mine. I I like being you know a, a fit you know a fit human being that's more um, productive in the gym or in the like mountain. Athletic. Yeah, more athletic. Yeah. I, I don't want to be like that bodybuilder right. type that I can't do anything, but it definitely did put some muscle on, but. Um, I still feel really good. Hmm. Like I feel explosive. I feel powerful. Um, yeah. So I, I think I'm just going to continue doing it. It's almost been two years. Hmm. Um, through my Seems training like camp, I've just up the fruit intake because yeah, for you know, I'm more of an explosive athlete. Yeah, mm -hmm. I need need the glycogen restore. But um, man, I feel I feel good doing hmm. it. Have you tried uh, that First Light Farms? Their their elk. 
Have you ever tried that? Yeah, I just got some of it. Is that oh, some of the stuff that yeah, from, yeah, Kip sent it to me? Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Man, that stuff, you know, obviously I have my own elk, but that's like, because it's not wild elk, it's it's freaking good. good. Yeah. yeah, it's right. more like beef. It's, well, it's not like beef. It's it's uh, leaner than beef, but it tastes so good. Yeah, I have. I just got it the other day, and I'm going to try it here soon. But oh, it's great. It look, the packaging looks nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, re- nice. it's yeah. really good. I mean, I've got some of those tenderloins, and I've eaten quite a bit of them. Yeah. Uh, great meat. But, uh, yeah, I was, I was curious if you tried that because mm-hmm. you're so, you know, protein-rich in mm-hmm. your carnivore diet type mm-hmm. thing. Um, but, yeah, wild game. So that, that leads us into hunting. Mm-hmm. So... What's your thoughts on hunting? I love it, man. It's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all, all we've been talking uh, about. All my teammates used to like tease and say, "Like, dude, the, the only reason why you fight is to fund all your hunting." And I'm yeah. like, "No, oh, you're not. You're not completely lying." But yeah, man, it's always been a huge passion of mine. My my dad got me into it when I was a little kid. I used mm-hmm. to follow him through the woods, uh, the Sierras up above Fresno, and hunting, you know, black-tailed deer and muleys up there, and mm-hmm. just kind of following them around, and then. Killed my first deer ever uh, when I was, I think, 12. It was that first year I got my hunting license, I believe. Yeah. And I arrowed it. Got it with, I had an old PSE, really? uh, just an old Nova. First kill is a bow kill. Yeah. First wow. one ever. Yeah. The Nova. Yeah. I remember yeah. those bows. Yeah. I, I used Entry to mow lawns. Bow. Yep. Mow lawns. And I, I ended up buying it. It was a used one back then. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that, I had that bow for a while. And then, um, yeah, I had my first. First kill, got a little fork spike yeah. with my bow, and yeah, it was just... We call those sporks. Up. Sporks, yep. yeah. <laughs> got the sporks, man. That was kind of a crazy story. We um, That night I arrowed that, and it ended up going down into like a hell hole and died down there. And so me, my dad, and my two brothers went down there, found it, and my dad's like, all right, I'm going to hike all the way back up, and I'm going to hike, try to get to the truck, and... You know, this was before Onyx or, you know, I don't even know if we had cell phones back then. If it was, it was like kind of, no, I don't even think there are cell phones. (laughs) So he's like, I'll just drive around and try to find you guys. Well, that was a bad idea. He hikes up, gets lost. He's hiking around in the woods. It gets dark. It's me and my brothers. You know, I'm 12. My other brother's 10. You know, we're all pretty much young kids. Yeah. And uh, we're just dragging this deer through the woods in the dark, have no idea where we are. Yeah. And uh, a few hours goes by and we finally see some lights up ahead and we drag it over there. It ended up coming into a campsite and scared the shit out of these people. It was a husband and wife. Yeah. You know, and we got face paint on. We're all on camo and we're dragging a dead deer. And yeah. the lady screams like, ah. <laughs> we're like, sorry, sorry. You know, like we're lost. My dad's lost. Do you, is there any chance you might be able to give us a ride? And the guy helps us load the deer up and takes us all the way back mm. to camp. My dad was... I'm pretty sure he stayed the night out there that night in the woods. Looking for you guys or lost? Just lost. Yeah. And when, I think when it got light the next morning, he was able to kind of locate where he was. He got mm. back to the truck, thank God. But he said, <laughs> he's like, man, I was at one point, I was just sitting there and I heard something and I look over and this monster buck, it's, it's, it was a full moon mm. and this buck, he could just see it in the in the moonlight and it's just staring at him he said just huge yeah and he's just looking like what the hell yeah but uh sounds like good deer country yeah yeah there's some good ones up there for sure but Uh um yeah so that was my first experience arrowing a deer well uh, 
Fresno brings back memories of so our puppy in there is uh theo he's from fresno he's mm. in a kill shelter down there so he's still traumatized from fresno so when we <laughs> we make fun of like when he acts scared about barking at everybody hair stands up mm-hmm. he's like oh he's a, those are fresno flashbacks <laughs> so fresno yeah don't mention that you, uh-huh. you used to hunt there he'll, no he'll uh get no. all upset yeah, that's funny <laughs> yeah. yeah but uh so then from there so 12 years old bow hunter and then you've just been doing this the whole time. And, yeah. and, uh, I know you've killed some incredible animals that, that sheep you killed, yeah. that was a rifle kill, wasn't yeah. it? Yep. But just, you won that, that tag at, oh, the, yeah. at the Utah the, show. Yeah. The Western hunt expo. Incredible. Mm. I mean, I couldn't, the photos are just insane. Yeah. Thank who you. took those photos? That was, uh, who was on that trip? We had a few different camera guys. Okay. One I just the, remember epic photos. Yeah. Paul Bride, I think was the one that actually made it up there with us. So one of the other camera guys got too scared. Mm. Cause it was steep. <laughs> it was, it was treacherous getting up to where it died. And he's like, Oh, I don't feel good about this. I'm going to go back. And we're like, seriously, bro. Like, yeah. So we left him down there and then Paul, do you want to say his name? No, no, I honestly don't even remember that was, yeah, I can't even remember that kid's name, but, uh, yeah, Paul like led us up there. He's done stuff in like Patagonia and done all kinds of crazy hiking and yeah, he used to hunt with Jason Hairston Mm. all over the place. So he knew, he knew what he was doing. Thank God. But, um, yeah, those photos were cool on that little, it died right on that little tiny ledge. It was like a hundred foot drop. Like that thing almost went off. It was crazy up there. That's an awesome round. Oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah. It was a fun experience having all my friends there, and that was cool. Where was that? That was down in Zion, the Zion unit. Okay. Southern Utah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Man, and it's a desert? Desert, yep. And so you've killed a doll in a desert? Correct, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that that doll was, that was fun. Yeah. It was that a, was the one where you had to go tripper. back. Yeah. yeah. But I'm hooked, man. I want to go do another one. We'll another see. doll or you want to do you have a goal of getting your super slam done man i or mean your grand slam i guess yeah. super slam's all 29 yeah. grand slam is sheep i don't know i mean honestly and i don't have like like if it were to happen it would be cool mm-hmm. but i'm 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 not like 100 percent set on i have to get this done yeah all right like if i were to draw one of those stone sheep or something mm-hmm. that would be cool but there's no way i'm buying a stone sheep to, they're expensive to just, you know, just to get it done you know yeah i'm but, kind of the same way i mean mm-hmm. sheep is i'm i'm mostly like elk mm-hmm. if i could just elk hunt every year i'm good same. but a crazy sheep hunt comes up yeah. i just like to bow hunt of yeah. course i'll go uh-huh. do it but yeah i'm not like obsessed with like i gotta get all all sheep yeah. species yeah, now if you just say hey i got the the best elk hunting in the world do you want to go done yeah yes that that's Heck why yeah. that's why I love the San Carlos. Mm-hmm. Man. <laughs> and so tell me about you killed a giant bull down there last year. I did man? I think we were there around the same time. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you and yeah. Kip right were there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, man. That was uh, that, that was a, definitely a hunt I'll never forget. It 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 happened quick. It was the first day, um, but man, it was uh, we got into a group of bulls that first morning. There was probably eight to ten bulls bugling all around us. And we basically just kind of trailed them up until they bedded and put them to bed and backed out, came back in there at like three and just started hiking up in there. And they fired up probably about five and we snuck back into that group and uh, they're, you know, out in front of us. And we just got set up on the first there, basically the closest one to us. We had no idea what it was. Mm -hmm. 
And I had already told these guys, like, 3.30 bull walks out. If he presents it, I, he's getting it. Like, I'm not I'm mm-hmm. not super picky with that. And, you know, I put my buddy back about 50 yards behind me, and he's calling. And I got Dustin over to my left, just kind of videoing and just watching. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 30 minutes goes by, and he's b- screaming in front of us. We just can't see him. Finally, he walks in. I just see feet kind of walking through the brush. And I could see he's trying to get downwind of us. So I, like peek to my left i had a tiny little window right here and i'm like yeah dang it why wouldn't you just walk out front here you yeah know? so i like on my knees i turned to the side and i'm like ranging and i can see a clearing through the trees and i ranged at like 60 yards just guessing like he's probably gonna walk out somewhere through that little clearing and sure enough he steps out on the edge of it but never comes out and mm-hmm. i can just see his nose and he's he was a big funky looking bull so he's got like pretty short fronts on one side and that's all i could see because the other ones turn up and go way to the sky like yeah and so i'm like yeah it's like a 330 bull i'm guessing you know Mm -hmm. he steps out he's getting it yeah so i see where he's at arrange his nose tip like 60 yards and i'm like i gotta just time this right because if he takes one step that's gonna put his vitals into this tiny little opening through the brush that's all Mm -hmm. i got and he's sitting there, sitting there, and I could feel the wind just kind of at my back Ooh. and then kind of hitting me on, on this side. I'm like, God, he's not going to sit here for long. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden lets out a huge bugle, and I'm like, all right, he's like at least comfortable, you know. Takes a step, and I immediately draw back. And that movement stopped him perfect right in that window and just snuck it through there. So I, I still don't know what he is. Mm-hmm. All I can see is his vitals. See my arrow hit, he runs off, and I'm like pumped, like, got him. I know that was a good hit. And so we sit there for like 30 minutes, walk over, and my arrow's laying there, follow the blood. He's laying, we just see like body, you know, maybe 40, 50 yards out. And none of us had any idea that was the bull that I killed. So we How, walked up to it. Had that feel seeing the body oh, there, just big relief. Yeah. That's was, always like mm-hmm, the biggest. Mm-hmm. As a bow hunter, you're just, you can think you made a perfect shot, but yeah. until it's, until you see that animal laying there, you're holding 100%. it, you don't know. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've hit bulls or even deer where it's like smoked them and never find them. And you're yeah. like, what? Doesn't right. make any sense. Yeah. So Watch it on film. You're just like, dude, that's perfect. Like, right. So yeah, exactly. You just, it's you a big relief. It, yeah. And then it's like, okay, now what is he? Mm-hmm. And then you walked up and what'd you find? That beast. I mean, they, uh, Dustin had named that thing, uh, Rick flair. Cause he had two big kickers off each side. Um, and he instantly was like, dude, that's Rick flair. That's him. Oh man. And man, yeah, it would have been over 440, not busted. He'd broke. He had a second main beam that came up and split at the top and a big whale tail with kickers off the backside that he'd busted off. Unbelievable. So yeah, but crazy. Wow. Just crazy bull. 440. 440. Would have been, been, yeah. Man, that's once in a lifetime for sure. Yeah. Super cool bull. Just, just as weird as they come, you know, like super short beams but insane mass just extra stuff all over the place yeah just crazy but yeah how how confident were you so 60 yards is Mm -hmm. not a chip shot no i mean you had to have a lot of confidence to take that shot on that hunt which Mm -hmm. is for most people once in a lifetime to hunt there Mm -hmm. so what was your mindset going into that you just you knew you could do it yeah man i i told you this like i don't know what it was something last year um I have a range set up in my backyard and for some, some reason all year I was like, I just need to practice at 60. Like, I feel like that's a good range, 
that anything inside that I'm good. Like, mm-hmm. And if I'm just comfortable at 60, like I should be money, you know? And so all year, like I'd walk out first cold shot 60 and just send it. That's, that's what I practice. I have no idea why, but both bulls I killed last year walked out at 60 yards Jeez. and pinwheeled them both. So I'm just going to keep doing that. Yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> I mean, that's not a chip shot. You got to no. do, but you're a good shot. I mean, mm. I've seen you shoot the last couple of days and it's like, I have no doubt, but for most people mm-hmm. shooting through a small window at 60 yards on, I mean, maybe it's good you to know that that yeah. was Ric Flair because uh-huh. you didn't have to worry about that, you know, being a giant bull too. Mm-hmm. But uh, it still doesn't change. It's still a hard shot and mm-hmm. pressure. And uh, I mean, impressive. I but what a relief. Very relieved. We, yeah. all, as bow hunters, all we care about is like we're making a good shot on that animal. It's mm-hmm. not suffering. It's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, we do our job, merciful kill. And so, I mean, that probably was a huge relief in that. But then being a once in a lifetime bull, mm-hmm. man, that, that thing a, was a beast. Definitely an experience I'll never forget. And then what was the other bull you got? Uh, that was Oregon. That was a uh, Northeast Oregon mm-hmm. on one of our fins and feathers trips up at uh, Opal Butte Outfitters. Just a weird, gnarly old bull. It almost looked like a big uh, axis deer. Mm. Yeah, he had like, you know, his, his two fronts and then nothing all the way up. And then it had that big like Y fork at the top like a axis deer has yeah, yeah. on both sides. It was weird, super weird bull, but... Was he old? Yeah, he was an older bull. Came mm-hmm. screaming in. Uh, I'd been wanting to kill a bull out of a tree stand for the last like four or five years yeah. and just have never gotten it done. And uh, we got into the tree stand, me and my buddy Dave, late that morning. He was like dragging ass, you know, and I'm like, mm-hmm. come on, Dave, let's go. It's like, yeah. we're it's going to be light in like 30 minutes. We still got, so we ended up showing up like 30 minutes mm-hmm. after like crawled mm-hmm. up in there. But when we were sneaking in, there was a a bull bugling off to our left and a bull bugling off to our right. So I was like, dude, let's get in this. Hurry, hurry. Mm-hmm. So we get up in the stand and he starts calling and that bull just screaming comes running down the hill mm-hmm. right into us. Really? Yeah. It was How far cool. that, was that was the 60. Yeah. Jeez. He came out, stopped broadside at 60. And, and 60 just, yards out of a tree stand yeah, is even harder. I know. <laughs> Cause uh, like when, when I hunt out of tree stands, you, you're thinking 20 yards would be good. Yeah. 60 looks like a mile. Yeah. But, no, it, it, I don't know, just felt good, pulled back, anchored, sent it, pinwheeled him, ran off. And he probably only went 40, 50 yards over this mm. little edge and died right there. But there there wasn't a ton of blood, so we went down there, and, and I was actually like, shit, did I hit shoulder? You know, and I, I got a short draw link. I usually get on a bull, you know, 12 to 15 inches of penetration. Mm-hmm. And that's what arrow was laying there, about 12, 15 inch penetration. I'm like, damn, did I hit? shoulder and it stopped it it didn't sound like it we watched the video over and it all looked good mm-hmm. but we just sat there for probably two hours like just making yeah, sure that uh-huh. time and, and it was kind of cool a couple of ravens landed in the tree right above them mm. and started going off so you figured and i'm like what the heck so i ended up walking over and there he was dead right below those ravens mm. so it was kind of cool they're they're pretty quick on mm-hmm. they follow death around mm-hmm. yeah that's a good good uh observation to pick that up a lot of people I've seen a lot of people out in the woods and they don't even notice stuff like that. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's, uh, there's a lot of telltale signs out there if you pay attention. Magpies too. You, mm-hmm. Paul, they find them of, pretty quick too. A lot of those over there in mm-hmm. that, that part of the country. Um, well, you're on a roll, two bulls mm-hmm. in the same, I mean, is that the first time you've killed two bulls mm-hmm. in a season? 
No. Oh. I think the, the first time two archery bulls. I've killed like an archery bull and then maybe a rifle bull mm-hmm. or two. But yeah, that was the first two, mm. probably two uh, <laughs> archeries. <coughs> Excuse me. Mm. Um, yeah, awesome. What's a, So what, what hunts do you got this year that you're looking forward to? Uh, I'll hopefully do that uh, Oregon. It's, they changed it last year to a draw. So Oh, yeah, you got to draw mm-hmm. that one. So hopefully I draw that, and then uh, we'll be going to New Mexico this year, which oh. I'm pretty excited about. And yeah. your fittings and feather, tell me about that. What That's uh, your business, and yeah. what do you do with that? So basically what we do is we we subcontract out outfitters that already have things up and running, you know, businesses where they, you know, whether it's elk, deer, whatever it is, and we basically put together a year-long schedule, um, you know, and we post that up on our site. So each trip is basically set in stone already, the dates, the species, um, and basically what we do is we add different UFC fighters or actors or pro ball players different athletes on the trips with the clientele so say we got a mule deer where there's five or six clients that are that are booking with us in this group and then we'll put like dan henderson and he'll go in there and hunt with them so Mm -hmm. we'll get him a tag too Mm -hmm. so he's in there sharing camp and you know i think what the mindset of creating this the reason why we did it was doing something different something the where I mean you know this in, in hunting camp the camaraderie and like the way that you bond with somebody yeah. over a campfire after a long day of hunting like telling stories it's like you're never gonna get that at a meet and greet where you right. shake a hand take a picture and then on to the next one right. you know so it's just a different way for these people who might watch these guys or girls on TV in a in a sport or whatever it may be now they get to not only go on a cool hunt because we try to do stuff that's already going to be something people would want to do anyways you know badass mule deer elk or antelope or whatever it is but now they get to do it and camp with a guy like uriah faber or dan henderson or whoever you know and all these guys love hunting as well and girls we got some macy barber yeah uh, I like jesse jess like she's getting into it i got her a bow and um so yeah it's you know it's just something that's different from the standard you know hunting outfit like you can go book a mule deer hunt anywhere or um you know an elk hunt or whatever but now you get to do it and kind of throw a special twist on it and get to do it in camp with a guy like henderson or tj dillashaw or mike chandler or whatever you know and just kind of get to know these people on a personal basis so um i don't know man we launched it 2015 so 16 was our first full year Mm -hmm. i had no idea how it was gonna yeah people were gonna take that you know and uh, we booked out everything we offered that year. I was like, dude, that's pretty cool. Wow. And each year, just kind of growing it, adding more trips, and mm-hmm. just continue to. We'll sell out usually um, each year, book everything in advance, go out and do it. This is cool for me, too, because I just get to travel all over and hunt with cool people who yeah. absolutely love hunting and fishing, which is like my people, you know? So, um, I don't know. I feel blessed to be able to go do this and almost feel like I'm cheating the system sometimes, taking their money. You know, I'm like, God, I should be paying you to come hunt and hang out with you guys. But um, no, it's it's been super cool. I, I enjoy it. I love it. My business partner, Mike, loves it. Mm. He was with UPS for like 20 something years and just retired. So now he's doing this full time. Sweet. Yeah, it's been it's been a fun journey. Yeah, I know. I've I've followed along. I've seen a lot of the photos, and I see. I mean, everybody looks like they're having a great time. Yeah. You, the trips you set up, people are successful, mm-hmm. and so it's like you're kind of. Uh, that's that's a big challenge for people who want to maybe do a guided outfitted hunt. Is this a good place? Mm-hmm. You know, but you're kind of vetting that part, yep. so they know they're already going to go to a good place, mm-hmm. and then it's going to be with legends 
on top of it. So mm. it's like, how, how do you lose that? Yeah, exactly. I, it sounds like a, a great setup. Yeah, it's been fun. And yeah, I think that what you hit the nail uh, on the head there with with the vetting part of it. I mean, I know I've been burned with outfitters. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you go to a show and they got these cool photos and you're like, all right, they seem like they know what they're doing. You end up putting a deposit down, you go and hunt and it is complete garbage, you know, like horrible. And that's happened to me multiple times. And it's like, God, man. So being able to, for me personally, I go on all these trips, like test them out first and foremost to make sure that, it, yeah, they have the animals to, you know, basically sustain this amount of hunters. Like we're mm-hmm. going to, I want my guys successful, even if it means they're not killing 200 inch mule deer. Like right. I want these guys to go home with me. I want mm-hmm. them to like have the fun experience of learning from start to finish what hunting is all about. Cause we get a lot of people that have never hunted before, which is also super cool. Yeah. You know, that have followed me or Hendo or whoever, any of these people through their MMA career and see that we hunt, we live off the wild game, cook these amazing meals with it. Like, man, I want to go do that. Yeah. So they'll book with us, you know, mm-hmm. go get their hunter safety done. And they're like their first time ever. And that's, pretty damn cool like being able to take these men and women who've never done it before kids sometimes and just kind of teach them like from start to finish what it's all about like that's a huge passion of mine I I enjoy that I love it um and that was one of the reasons one of the main reasons we started fins and feathers in the beginning so yeah yeah it's been cool try to pass on the hunting heritage in some way and then also it gives opportunity to these these legends in the fight game or Mm -hmm. you know it's uh because I mean, they are people, they, people look up to them, but also it's nice having that camaraderie talked mm-hmm. about like, yeah, this is more than just this fighter I've seen on TV. Yeah. Here's these other interests he has, this mm-hmm. other insight. And it's, uh, you know, everybody, it, it's like, oh, you're a fighter, but yeah, you're also a hunter and yeah. you're this and that. Mm-hmm. It's like, get it's, to know more of a, on, yeah. a, on a human level, on your normal buddy level, you know, mm-hmm. instead of just this just savage that goes in there and chaos people in a cage you know so it's just a different uh you know different layer to it all which is kind of cool well and i mean you're like a perfect example of that because fighting in the cage you're so deadly but then the nicest guy (laughs) it's just like i don't know (laughs) yeah i mean if if it wasn't for being just jack and the ears (laughs) people might not know you're a trained assassin (laughs) Mm. Oh man, it's, um, it's all about flipping the switch, I think. And for me, like my dad always taught us to be humble, you know, like I'm no different than anybody else. I'm just an idiot and get punched in the face for a living. Like that's the route I chose to go Yeah, and, and I'm good at it. So, you know, but I'm no different than anybody else. Like there's no reason for me to be arrogant. There's no reason for me to be a dick. And I never understand when there's people like that out there, it's like, like you're just a human we're all the same you know yeah but yeah we're all we're all just trying to survive here I trying know. to do something special but yeah. no, no reason to make it harder than it needs mm-hmm. to be so. um so what do your brothers do i mean you guys all grew up together it sounds like do they yeah. hunt and fish um i don't think any i mean everybody kind of steered away from it i was really mm-hmm. the only one that kind of kept the passion going oh, okay yeah um no, I don't you just have brothers or a sister too. I have brother and sister. So my mom and dad split up when I was little, and both got remarried. So I have uh, two brothers and a sister on my dad's side, and two brothers and sister on my mom's side. So um, I'm the only um, child from my mom and my dad. So mm-hmm. I have half brothers and sisters. But right. Yeah. None of them on my dad's side. You know, my my 
two brothers were into the hunting. My sister would go and fish and do stuff like that. But when they got older, nobody really kind of mm. stuck with it. I was really the only one. My my pop still hunts. We just went and did a a wild boar hunt uh, on that ranch out of Reading I was telling you about. Nice. Uh, we took my oldest daughter, so that was her first time doing that. And she's four. Yeah, yeah. almost four. And uh, absolutely loved it. We both tagged out on two boars that first night, and Sweet. she got to see the whole thing go down and showed her how to do all the gutting and skinning process and showed her where meat comes from. And, you know, we talk about that type of stuff in our house all the time anyways, but um, had some breakfast sausage made out of it. So when we have breakfast in the morning, I, mm -hmm. I make sure I always tell her, this is the boar that we got, you yeah. know, and she loves it, eats it. And, you know, I, I just, for me as a, as a father now, like being able to share that and pass that down means so damn much to me. Yeah. And we were talking about the YouTube thing the other day and, one of the main reasons why I started my YouTube channel, you know, what, four or five years ago was thinking about my kids watching it in the future, mm -hmm. like being able to see dad's hunts with mom or uh, grandpa or whoever, or just yeah. by himself from years ago. And now my daughter, like she'll, when she gets out of the bath at night, she wants to sit there and watch hunting videos on my YouTube channel. So we'll sit there and, oh, that's awesome. you know, we'll watch a couple of videos, read books, and that's how she goes to bed at yeah. night. So yeah, it's pretty, pretty freaking cool. Well, it's an important lesson for kids to learn about, you know, where food comes from, mm -hmm. where meat comes from. Animals have to die for this to happen and to understand, have a healthy relationship with mm -hmm. that. Because a lot of people still put on blinders about they're eating this this burger or this steak and mm -hmm. they're not correlating it to an animal that was living at one time. Mm -hmm. So it's I think it's valuable. I mean, one of the most valuable lessons we can teach our kids. I agree. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Well, that's that's exciting. Um Oh yeah, let me. Uh, I had another question for you here. Um, what else are you hunting this season? So I got those two elk in September. <clears throat> I'll be going back to the San Carlos uh, that first week in October. I got a a cold bull tag oh, this yeah. time. Yeah, mm -hmm. so we'll see what we can find. I don't know if we can locate anything like that, but we'll see. But uh, and then I'm going to Idaho with Chrissy Lee Cook for her show. I'm going to go do elk out there um, mid-October and then Colorado for a deer and elk um, yeah. right they, there. They've killed some bulls on that that hunt. She's yeah. been doing that. Mm -hmm. I think her brother goes, and I think she took Hannah Barron last mm -hmm. year. Yep. Yeah. Looks like they're kind of dialed in on those elk. Yeah. Uh -huh. I think she took Don Jr. there last year too. Oh, right? that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah he did kill. Uh -huh. um, oh, here's a good one. What is the training like between the UFC and bare knuckle? Man, uh, basically all I'm doing is boxing and strength and conditioning, mm -hmm. you know, body, body function stuff. Um, you know, trying to stay as mobile as I can working on being explosive as explosive as I can. Um, they're two minute rounds. So, you know, it's balls to the wall for short amount of times. Mm -hmm. Um, very like sprint oriented type training. Um, we do mix in some longer, uh, endurance stuff more for, um, building that aerobic capacity. But most of this stuff is just like sprint work stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, tons of mitt work, you know, working straight boxing, you know, tightening everything up, keeping as, as compact and, and, you know, on point with everything as possible. Um, and then working with my, so that's with Joey and then my strength conditioning coach is Amadeo and he just stretches the shit out of me. We do all kinds of, like I said, yeah. mobility type stuff, sled push, conditioning, 
um, Airdyne. God, I hate that thing, but yeah, yeah, just a lot of a lot of that type of stuff. So it's way more specialized. You don't have to yes. get the wrestling and mm-hmm. the jujitsu and the. Yeah, that was just, a, that was the hardest thing about MMA, man. And a lot of people don't realize that. But man, you're getting you have to train three, all those yeah, three four times a day mm-hmm. because you have so many things you have to, you know, get really good at because everybody's really good at everything nowadays. You right. know, it's not the days of oh he's just a boxer, you know, or uh, he's just the jits guy. It's like you got to basically try to master everything your mm-hmm. boxing your kickboxing your wrestling your jujitsu strength and conditioning and it's like to be able to keep up on all that and just full mma training like you also have mma sparring so right you know there's just so many facets to it that you have to stay on top of all that i mean the the chances of overtraining and like being just completely wiped out by the time fight comes is like very high so you got you, you got to be smart about it but it's, uh, I think that was the most difficult part, like sitting down, I would map out an entire training camp. Obviously you're, you're adjusting on the fly, depending on what the body feels like and what you're doing that day. But, um, <coughs> man, having everything mapped out, dude, it's, it was crazy. So yeah. just focusing on boxing. So like mitt works, boxing, sparring, strength and conditioning. It's like, it's pretty, it's pretty nice to just focus on pretty much just that. Oh, what if like this is your the perfect thing for you yeah. what if this is what it should have been the whole time yeah you know what i mean because uh-huh. your hand you got good hands you're compact you're fast you're explosive what if like all that other stuff was to lead up to bare knuckle yeah <laughs> and you're like going to be this bare knuckle icon yeah i don't know man i mean i mean what what it could be that yeah it definitely could be and i'm here in the moment and i'm enjoying it and i'm i'm here for the ride so Mm -hmm. we're just kind of taking it one fight at a time and just seeing what things look like but hey i'm not opposed to it man if it's the the amount of money they're willing to pay you know and Mm -hmm. how much i love the training and how much i love uh the sport of boxing granted it's bare knuckle it hurts a little bit more but man it's I could see that happening. Yeah. We'll, we'll just have we'll just have to see. Right. I mean, I mean if I get out there and KO Eddie quick or yeah. you know, get out there and win this fight, you know, in big fashion, I'm gonna have to talk. I know. I'm thinking. I'm just looking checking you're you're talking and I'm thinking about all the boxes you're checking. I'm like, this maybe this is it. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> I, I'm so dude, I get so pumped for yes. these fights and just like to I don't know. Yeah. We're gonna have um, to get you out there for this one. Oh, I'd love, yeah. I'd love to come. I'd, I've never been to one, but uh, obviously a huge mm-hmm. Chad Mendez fan. So oh, yeah, sure. I'd love you. to be there. Um, this is a good one. How do you know Cristiano, Cristiano Ronaldo? Since he follows you on Instagram, I don't know. I've never met him, but that's pretty cool. Somebody else has said that also. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That's super cool. I mean. I think it's just because you're a badass. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. He's a stud, man. That's cool. Yeah. I know. What? I mean, he's, isn't he like one of the most famous on Instagram mm-hmm. or the most followers or something so like he's that? He's up there. Yeah. He's a, he's a giant and the, everybody knows him. Yeah. Yep. No, that's super And he cool. follows you. So there. Nice. Um, uh, how old and what distance did you, oh no, this is for me. Don't, no. Yeah, they're asking me, this one's for you. How old and what distance did you cover on your first race? Um, I don't even know. I was, <laughs> I, it's probably a 5K and I probably quit. And it's three, <laughs> three miles. Um, what do you prefer, bare knuckle 
or boxing in general to other styles of fighting? What do you prefer? Man, I mean, after doing MMA and going over, like what I was just saying, all the training and, you know, I really enjoy boxing. I've always liked boxing. I mean, obviously wrestling was always my background, you know, but even when I was fighting MMA, my style was boxing and wrestling. Like those were my two like big bases. And you, you, know? you spar with a really good boxer. You said, yeah, yeah. Got some golden glove champion. And how do you, how do you do? I do really well. Really? Yeah. Yeah. He pushes me for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, is he's he your size? Um, weight wise, he weighs less, but he's taller than me. So mm-hmm. he's longer. Um, man, he's explosive fast, mm-hmm. obviously great boxing. So definitely keeps me on my toes, but man, I do, I do really well. So, yeah, I, I I enjoy the sport of boxing outside of taking head damage. Obviously, that's, right. I never want to do that, but just the sport itself and and the way that my body has taken to it, um, and and I guess my ability with it, I, especially being a wrestler, I like it. What's your strength in boxing? I mean, speed, power. Yeah, yeah I think speed and power for mm-hmm. sure. Yep. So you got good torque. I mean, does mm-hmm. he say when you're sparring that? You know, powers. Yeah, he you're, he's feeling yeah. it because uh-huh. you can tell on somebody. Somebody can. It looks the same. Everything's the same, but the power is different. Yeah, yeah. So there's another little snap to it. Mm-hmm. You're like God. Yeah, I noticed that with um, like Amanda, woman fighter. Yes, but she you know. punches kind of like a guy. Yeah, like Dude, she like it, at the end. Those punches are landing at the end and oh, just yeah. it's it seems really hard. Mm-hmm. So she's got something about her technique or whatever. So I was wondering if yep. that's, you're the same. Um, your hands are just, you know, I think who's that guy who's fighting, um, style bender. Oh yeah. Uh, what do they call them? Hands of stone or something, something like, like that. that yeah. Alex Pereira. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. He, he punches hard. Hard. Yes. And when I watch, I saw some footage of him the other day, his, he doesn't look super smooth style wise, mm-hmm. but for whatever reason, hands of stone mm-hmm. land. So it's just some weird thing. Some people just yep. punch hard. Mm-hmm. But um, let's see. Well, what would you be doing if you never started fighting? Man, that's a tough question. I, so I, my degree was in kinesiology, ideally like PT or, I mean, that's pr- probably where I was leaning, mm. physical therapy uh, type stuff. But man, probably down that road. I'm yeah. guessing. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. training or some, something with either either like a physical therapist, maybe even coaching. Maybe I would have got into like wrestling coaching. Mm-hmm. Tried to pick up maybe at a college or I don't know. You know, maybe going down that path, but. Yeah, I honestly didn't think a ton about it because I already knew I was going into the fight world. Like right. my my third year I signed a contract with uh with my management group and like I had already known that was what mm-hmm. I was gonna do. So you know, the thought of because I mean your first two, three years of college, I don't I didn't know what the hell I was gonna do. Yeah, I picked you know, physical therapist mm-hmm. as my as my uh major uh, mate well it was kinesiology but that was like my mindset at first and then i was like i don't know if i want to do this yeah like, then i tested out some of the teaching stuff and i'm like god i don't know if i want to do this either so i kind of dabbled a little bit the first three years and different things um but yeah i basically signed that contract talked to uriah and was like all right let's just give this a try and i don't know i don't know if i just had 
too much confidence in myself at that point, but I just kind of like quit thinking about the career stuff. Yeah. And was just like, I'm going to be a fighter. I'm going to go do this. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I don't know. I I did have some doubt there for a little bit. I'm like, look, I'll go try this. Like, I guess if I get my butt kicked and I just suck at this, then we'll think about it. But I don't know. That didn't last too long. I was basically just like, let's do this. Yeah. (laughs) So, And it it sounds like Uriah was a big part of your decision. He's been a big influence on you. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Uriah was honestly the person that got me involved in this altogether. But, um, so every summer our coach at Cal Poly would put on like a six week long, um, wrestling camp for young kids, um, up in Squaw Valley, like Tahoe area. Mm -hmm. And, uh, obviously all of us Cal Poly wrestlers would go and we'd be like instructors and camp counselors and stuff. Well, Uriah was at UC Davis. He brought him in also and was paying him to be the, one of the instructors. But Uriah was getting ready for a fight. And that was my, um, s- the summer between f- freshman year and, soft- and sophomore year. So my first and second year. And Uriah was there and he was getting ready for a fight. And he kept, you know, rolling with these guys. And he's trying to train jujitsu and we're all wrestlers. And he just kept hurting everybody. And people are like, I'm not, gonna, I don't want to work out with you, dude. And like Faber style is very explosive and yeah. spastic and right. all over the place, you know? And I was like, uh, he's, and basically he was like, dude, I gotta, I gotta have somebody to train with or I gotta leave. I gotta go back and like, I gotta fight. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'll, I'll train with you. I'll roll with you. So I rolled with him for like a couple of hours and, you know, he submitted me probably 4,000 times, but mm-hmm. I didn't know what I was doing, but he's like, dude, I think you'd be really good at this. Mm-hmm. He's like, if you want to give it a try, he's like, just so you know, you know, uh, I'll have space up there, team alpha male. I have team alpha male in Sacramento. And, mm-hmm. and I was just like, all right, I don't know. We'll think about it. But yeah, towards the end of my, so I was at my third year in college. I was like, maybe that was my fourth year. I was like, all right, I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. I took him up on it. But yeah, you're right. I was big influence, you know, obviously always very business minded as well. Mm-hmm. It's kind of helped me and motivate me into starting the businesses we've done and, and staying on top of all that stuff and just trying to stay motivated in that world as well. Um, Faber's, you know, a big, big influence in that, st- in that sense for sure. Yeah. At one time that team alpha male was like the team, mm-hmm. it seems like, mm-hmm. um, you and TJ and, and um Benavidez and Faber and mm-hmm. Danny Castillo and do we have I forget how many I think I feel like we had like 13 or 14 uh people in the UFC at one time mm. which I think at that time was like unheard of yeah yeah I know everybody mm. was I mean everybody knew team alpha male for yeah. sure we had Dwayne Ludwig was in there yeah. our head striking coach and mm-hmm. yeah man it was it was a good one that was definitely some magic there I'd say the peak yeah. yeah, that was definitely the peak. Yeah, yeah nothing lasts forever. No. Everybody goes, but you guys have all had your own success, and, you know, um, it's been amazing to watch. Uh, the last question that I saw there that I was going to – we'll wrap up with that is, um, so why did you agree to do the podcast? <laughs> Are you kidding me? It's a campaign, dog. <laughs> no, man, we've been talking about – uh, either linking up for a hunt, doing some training, shooting, yeah. probably for the last four or five years or more, you know? And, uh, when, when I saw you started this, I was like, bro, I, I gotta go do this. So, oh, yeah, I'm you, so thankful you oh, came. Dude, I'm beyond stoked. This is cool. Wow. Um, I'm a fan. Oh. I love watching you. I love your spirit. And then training with you is 
was awesome. Heck yeah. Yeah, we got to do a little bit in Utah out there. Remember at the uh, yeah. Hunt Expo and stuff? But it was we just a did. little bit of weight stuff. But yeah. yeah, this was cool. I think we got some dumbbells out there, didn't mm-hmm. we? Yeah. I think we were pound? pumping the hundos. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. I don't know. You look pretty strong yeah. today. It's just <laughs> like, I, I think I'm getting older and you're getting stronger. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm very thankful, Chad. Thank you for coming and Thank doing you. the Lift Run Shoot with me in the podcast. Um, again, I'm a fan. I got... I think you're going to be that bare knuckle, the face of bare knuckle. Nice. And I think we're going to cement that with a, a big win against Eddie Alvarez. Nice. And uh, thank you so much. Oh, Keep yeah. hammering, brother. Thank you. I appreciate it. We can't wait to do it again. All right. I think a lot of you guys will be interested in this next sponsor. First Light Farms is a New Zealand-based farm that ships elk meat straight to your door. The reality is not everyone's going to fill their tag every year. So First Light Farms is ready to fill your freezer with lean protein that is high in iron, zinc, and B vitamins. To tell you the truth, I've been pretty surprised at how tender the meat is from First Light Farms. And I guess it's because they have no natural predators in New Zealand, so the elk live a pretty low-stress life, and you can taste that in the meat. They're offering listeners of the podcast a 15% discount using code CAM15 at stateclub.com dot firstlight dot farms the link will be in the show notes of the podcast for those interested cabela's and bass pro shops is a sponsor of the podcast and that's especially powerful for me because i remember when cabela's came to town came to springfield oregon and i actually played a role in the opening of that store instead of cutting the grand opening ribbon with scissors i shot it with an arrow And it was just a monumental thing. I mean, everybody here in town was talking about, hey, are you going to go to Cabela's? Can you believe Cabela's is coming here to Springfield, Oregon? So I know what a staple those giants in the industry are. And it's actually, it's one of the first places people go when they're looking to get geared up to to become a hunter is they go to Cabela's and buy everything they need. So I'm very excited that we've partnered together and we can help open up those outdoor and hunting opportunities to listeners of this podcast. Leupold Optics has been providing my binoculars and eyewear for the last few years. I like that it's an Oregon company and they make such high quality glass. That's all I've really used. And if you can't find what you're hunting, it's going to be tough to kill. So Leupold Optics has really played an integral part in my success these last few years. Thank you, Leupold, for supporting the podcast.